Good morning. My name is Nick Horton, and I'm one of the elders here at North Boulevard, and I'll be teaching a class this semester, and I'm very excited about it, uh, excited and have been uh, uh, anticipating the time when we could come back together. Unfortunately, I planned a camping trip this weekend, so I'm not live with you, but I am with you in spirit, and I do have... Uh, I, do, I would like for us to go ahead and get into our study that will be going on this semester. We'll be looking at the book of Daniel because I, I, there's so many things in it that are appropriate for us. Sometimes we relegate it to the, to the realm of children's stories so that we're thinking of, oh, Daniel in the lion's den, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and the fiery furnace, the handwriting on the wall, uh, uh, worshiping the statue, and stuff like that. So Daniel actually has a lot to say about how to live, how to th really thrive, even when we're in exile and isolation, even when our world has collapsed around us. And so I'd like for us to look at that this morning, and, uh, and I hope you'll join us for the remainder of the study as well. So how do you respond to cultural upheavals? What should you do when your world is turned upside down and turns against you? What about when you're coerced and pressured to conform to ungodly cultural expectations? When your peers talk about you behind your back, when they plot evil against you and try to destroy your influence, how will you respond? When you're surrounded by arrogance, violence, and hatred, how will you live? Which of us can swim against the current of where people elevate, uh, sorry, against the culture where people elevate themselves above God himself? When you're separated from the family of God and stand alone against a hostile world, will you retreat or will hope really sustain you? Is there a limit to how long God will allow wickedness and violence to go unchecked? The Bible has a record of someone who had these exact same questions and came out on top, and it was the prophet Daniel. He was a young man when his world collapsed, and he found himself alone, isolated, captive in an alien culture. He was forced to live in a world he did not choose. His integrity and faith offended his peers, and they plotted to destroy him. His personal practices of holy living were attacked by those around him, and yet he flourished. The Apostle Peter reminds us that all this is a common experience for God's people. So I'd like for us to look at the outline of the book of Daniel, and uh, Daniel has eight chapters with dreams. And then the last four chapters are about the end times and about some things that are going to happen historically. So, uh, so Daniel has these dreams and they're kind of bracketed. They're, they're coming down into a funnel. They get to a certain point and then they broaden out. This is called a chiism in literature because uh, it's shaped like the Greek letter chi, uh, X, that we see. Um, 
And so we see the, the first chapter is about cultural wars. Uh, that Then we're talking about governments and worship and authoritarian pride, which all have at their very nature the focal point that, that God is sharing with us, and that is they're answering the question, are we humans or are we animals? Are we beasts? And so, uh, again, we have another, uh, another dream about authoritarian pride and another one about worship, another one about government, and another one about culture. So, uh, so these are the eight dreams that are interpreted for us in the book of Daniel and that it's so famous for. And then the last four chapters really give us some historical perspective of things that occur. And it's just rich with history. And we're gonna see a lot of cool stuff there. Uh, especially if, you're, if you like history, uh, you'll, you'll love that section. Um, but God has a lot to say to all of us and he gives Daniel a special favor by giving him a sneak preview of things to come in Daniel's day and, uh, and even some things to come for our day as well. So let's jump on into 1 Peter, where Peter introduces us to the idea that none of this is foreign to God's people, uh, that it's a common experience for God's people to, to, do, uh, to have this kind of uh, cultural war, this kind of a conflict with uh, the surrounding people. So let's look at the first five verses, first of all. In which case, uh, we're talking about 1 Peter chapter 1. Give you a moment to get there. 1 Peter chapter 1. Peter, apostle of Jesus Christ to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, this is Turkey. This is modern day Turkey, basically. The, uh, yeah. Uh, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Peter writes this to the churches of Asia Minor, we call it, uh, of Turkey, modern-day Turkey. Uh, that part of the world was under the rule of Nero at the time that Peter writes this. The church is undergoing tremendous, horrible persecution. They're dipping Christians in tar and setting them afire to light the way into, uh, into cities and stuff like that. So Nero is really being extra cruel to Christians. And, um, and so this is the time of uh, uh, putting Christians in the Colosseum and having them fight it out with lions and tigers and with gladiators and stuff, and just really just uh, a bloody, horrible time. Peter himself is crucified just a 
couple of years after writing the books of first and second Peter. So he knows what he's talking about. God gave him foreknowledge to write to the church and encourage them through these horrible times. So let's hear what he has to say. Even though we're scattered, we are God's people and he knows us. His spirit is making us holy as we learn to be obedient to his will. In these verses right here, we see that his grace and his peace are given to us abundantly, even in troubled times. That we are, have living hope and an everlasting hope. Economies may collapse and our inheritance in this world, you know, your stuff in this world is not your inheritance, folks. Your inheritance is safe. And we ourselves are shielded by faith. God is working to prepare a huge salvation reveal for the end of time. In verses 6 through 9, Peter tells us, In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you don't see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Even though we suffer, Peter is saying, even though we suffer all kinds of trials, we still have reasons to rejoice because it's strengthening our faith. Christians in America are praying all the time for God to remove trials from their lives. Christians throughout the rest of the world are praying for God to use those trials to strengthen their faith. When we pray for faith and we pray for God to strengthen our faith, then we need to be prepared that we will have trials. That is part of, that is part of making your faith stronger. Look through the Bible. It happened to every biblical success story of faith. Like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, faith is tested by fire and it reveals the glory of Jesus. We only see the hand of God, but we're certain of the result. His power is powerful enough to deliver us. Okay. Let's look at verses 10 through 12. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you, searched intently and with greatest care, trying to find out the time and the circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you, when they spoke of things that have now been told to you 
by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. Wow. The prophets, like Daniel, tried to figure out God's mysterious plan. It's a plan of grace for you. Their writings and history itself are testimonies, and they point to the Messiah, Jesus, and his coming glory. God's Holy Spirit has sent messengers throughout the ages, through prophets, and even through angels, so that you would have the good news. This is cool. Okay. Peter tells us some more in verses 13 through 16. He tells us, therefore, with minds that are alert and, and sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Our minds are alert. Our hope is alive. Jesus Christ is going to be revealed in glory. Like Daniel, we learn discipline, and we learned disciplined living practices like prayer and fasting that yield a holy life when we do not yield to our evil desires. Our obedience as children produces holiness that reflects God's majesty and his glory. Let's look at the next few verses. Peter tells us, You call on a father who judges each person's work impartially. Live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him, you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him. So your faith and hope are in God. Like the Jews in Babylon, you are an alien, an immigrant, a pilgrim. You're just passing through here. This nation and this world will pass away. Don't let them be your home. Realize you're a stranger here. God has been working his plan since before the creation of the world. But he reveals mysteries to us. Our faith and our hope are in an everlasting God who overcomes death and glorifies those who serve him. And lastly, verses 22 to 25, 
now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Obedience, Peter tells us, results in purity. Think of Daniel and his friends at that banquet table with all that unclean food. Obedience results in purity. Display love for all people. In the book of Daniel, we're going to see that Daniel not only loved God's people, but he even loved the pagan rulers who took him captive. Wow. That's a deep love. Search the scriptures like Daniel did. God's word is enduring truth in a shifting world. We study Daniel because our lives are like flowers or grass, but God's word is everlasting. I think you see both from Peter as well as from Daniel itself that we're going to have a rich semester where we explore what it's like to live in the present culture that surrounds us and not only to just exist, not only to just survive 2020, but to really thrive, to be at peace with what's going on in the turmoil around us, to find that peace within God and within his word. That's our goal this year is as we examine the word of God and as we not only try to survive, but we try to actually thrive and live. So I hate it that I'm not there with you, but I'm enjoying time with my wife in the mountains in Kentucky. And uh, 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 Lord willing, I'll be back with you again next week. God bless you all as, you, uh, as we study Daniel together.